Hi, I'm Dion Blackler. I'm Patricia de Carvalho. And we are in, in the, the mood, mood for, for film. film. That's right. Um, so we are day five of the London Film Festival. We were going to do day three, but um, suddenly I realised that my um, app that I usually use to edit films, oh, sorry, edit the um, podcast, uh, we edit the recordings, um, Opinion oh, maybe app. It's maybe it's twelve. Yes, we are doing this on the street. <laughs> <laughs> was not working anymore. Which is, which, which, was not um, available anymore. That's right, yeah, it wasn't available. So I've had to have a look and see what would, what would work instead. And the Anchor app, um, which I've been publishing the podcast with, um, you can record with. So we're going to give it a try. Um, and, um, yeah, here we are, so we're at day five. And so I've seen eight films. Um, I can't remember how many I've seen, but probably like Seven six, or eight. Yeah. I would say. Okay. Um, three uh, in the cinema. Yeah, three in the cinema and two online as I slept through one. <laughs> <laughs> Which I fell asleep. Yes, you did. Uh, we'll talk about that shortly. Um, but let's talk about Mangrove. Mangrove. So we both uh, went to see Mangrove, which was the uh, opening film of the London Film Festival. Uh, it's the first time that a film made for TV opened the festival, but it's a Steve McQueen film. And we were both pleasantly surprised at how, how much we loved it. Not that we ever were both big fans of Steve McQueen, and we would never doubt his uh, talent, but we just felt before going to the film that it would be just another courtroom drama but it was really exciting and the acting was amazing and uh, yeah we both loved it I, I was so moved uh, I cried during one of the speeches by uh, Letitia Wright Letitia Wright my gosh she was amazing She's I don't amazing. Dion knows I don't often cry in the cinema and I definitely cried during that scene. Um, yes, it was really, really an amazing piece uh, piece of um, filmmaking, even though it was for TV. It's a part of a BBC uh, series That's that right, he's yeah. been doing. So uh, it's, it's, it's part of an um, anthology series called Small Acts about um, kind of black lives in the UK, um, particularly kind of West Indian West Indians, um, yes. immigrants. Um, and so apparently... It seems like they're quite different uh, uh, films and or, or, or pieces of work and quite different kind of stories. Uh, we're going to see. We, we still have seen Mangrove. Uh, we're going to see Lovers Rock as the as the closing. Yeah. Um, there's another one with John Boyega, which is played at the New York Film Festival, and that's three of the five. Um, and they're all parts of this anthology series, which is going to play on BBC from uh, November fifteenth. Uh, and it's also going to play on Amazon Prime in the U- uh, US uh, soon after. Um, and, and the BBC is, uh, for, in the UK, on the BBC, it's going to be five Sundays in a row of these five different episodes. Um, I just thought it was amazing. I was so blown away by it, too. Yeah, uh, I, I loved it, too. I absolutely I mean, the acting was amazing. Was, uh, funnily enough, was filmed before the last, um, uh, you know... Black Lives Matter um, kind of movement, although it's been going on for a while. So this was filmed last year, I think, before the last, uh, you know, before it always restarted again. And it is obviously very um, relevant to what's happening today. And while you are sitting through that and when you see the, you know, police brutality and 
it's just like revolting, really, sitting there. You're just like really angry watching this. Um, totally. Yeah, it, it is really an amazing piece of work. Yeah, it's all set around the Mangrove restaurant in Notting Hill in 19, late 60s, 1970. Um, and it became a site of resistance for police harassment there and a, and a protest. Um, I love that area. I work there um, for one of my jobs um, and kind of like, and just kind of connect that with, uh, with um, you know, this uh, history is really interesting to me. Um, and then these nine people were, were prosecuted with riot and affray. And you've got the people, you know, people, people like Althea Jones Laquant, played by Letitia Wright, who like I, I reiterate how amazing that speech is. Um, Malachi Kirby plays Darkus Howe. Sean Parks plays Frank Critchlow, who's the mm-hmm. owner of the, um, the, the mangrove, mangrove and someone who's really non-political, who gets drawn into this, into this fight, realizing you know that even though you may not be a political person, the fact he's created this space to allow black people to thrive, uh, thrive and, and have a community, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. you know, and, and how how um, kind of political that is in itself. Um, yeah, I just thought yeah. it was absolutely wonderful. And I, I, I do feel, I've also seen um, the trial of Chicago 7 recently, and I do think, you know, it's a lot of com- parallels, and I just think this blows it out of the water. I think trial of the Chicago 7 in comparison seems really stagey and really dated yeah, um, compared to this. That. I haven't seen it yet, but I remember we're going to go and see it together and end up not going to see it, and you said how... Yeah, how bad it looks compared to Mangrove. Yeah. Um, I was going to say uh, about Mangrove as well. It's interesting, like, watching, especially because we both live in London, that how Notting Hill, which used to be such a hub for the West African communities, changed so much in the last, I don't know, 30 years in London, isn't it? Mm. That's for, like, this is the community where the Notting Hill Carnival is start and the whole thing. And now it's such a white, overpriced, posh neighborhood that's lost all these uh, amazing, uh, you know, cultural uh, relevance. I mean, I guess, like, from, from, from the people who used to live there. Yeah. It's been, you know, pushed away by price and things, yeah. It's no coincidence, though, I think, that they put um, the, you know, Greenfield Tower building in the background. Yes. During some of the scenes. Yes, um, yes. You know, obviously Definitely, so, yeah. so relevant. The next film we saw was The Disciple, which was Chaitanya Tamahane's second feature after Court in 2014, which neither of us saw, but um, uh, it won the best screenplay at Venice and also the Fipressi Award. Fipreski? I just, uh, yeah, in a previous recording, I tried yeah. to explain what Fipreski is. What is it? Fédération Internationale de la Presse Cinématographique. Yes, something like that. Okay, so the, yeah, so uh, the, the press, yeah, like film film critics, basically. Yeah, yeah right, but yeah, and so, I, you know, I was doing a bit of research before this, um, so I see that they this, this um, organisation basically for world premieres at festivals will um, award which ones they think are the um, the best yeah so at every uh, uh, every film festival Berlin like the big film festivals Berlin uh, Venice Cannes there always be like a Fipreski award for best film yeah they are in like in all of the main festivals yeah mm-hmm. so it, it beats uh, Nomadland and um, you know other things uh, which okay. 
was it Venice? That's right. Well, um, it was the Venice uh, winner. Uh, so this wasn't not a, a film at the cinema. So it was only online, uh, only one night, and we both uh, bought tickets to see it online. Yeah, it was our first experience but, uh, of doing like a at yeah. home. But as with many Premier. people um, uh, who had booked tickets, there were like tech, in, tech issues. Uh, I tried to watch it in my laptop and ended up being not compatible, although I had tried beforehand. So in the end, I could only watch it on my phone, which meant that I ended up falling asleep because I went to bed like to watch it and then just dozed off. Uh, such a shame. I know, I yeah. know. <laughs> I mean, I was freaking out too because I'd already tried out my iOS, you know, my iPhone, just cast to a Chromecast to my TV for BFI player. And then little did I know that the films during the film festival aren't able to be cast by an iPhone. They can only be cast by an Android. Thankfully, my work phone is an Android, so I could cast and I've been able to cast a few films during the festival since. But, um, you know, like, that's a pretty, like, poor... Uh, it was very poor because yeah. uh, from the festival, I think, because even though I've tried it twice in my laptop uh, and it worked, it works through the credit, like the, the trailers and the ads and the festival ads. And it's only when the film starts that the screen goes black. So I, I and they asked us to, to make sure that, you know, you tried it, which I did. But it didn't work in the end, so I had to, you know, be on trying to get into a chat with someone. I was on like on a queue for some, you know, for a few minutes, trying to get someone to help me. So in the end, it was only I was only able to watch it on my phone, which was a bit frustrating anyway. Yeah. Very so I ended up falling asleep after all the stress. Well, I didn't but fall asleep. You, you did like no, it. I did. I did like it very much. So um, basically, it's the tale of. Uh, a, a man called Sharad, played by um, Aditya Madak, uh, Modak, uh, a student of a classical Indian singing and a disciple of a guruji um, who, care, who he cares for um, as he's aging, as the main character's aging. Um, I just thought it was like it had a really meditative quality. It was really kind of mesmerizing, absolutely gorgeously shot by the cinematographer, a Polish man, um, Mikhail Sobaczynski. Um, yeah, it was just it, it, just the pacing and everything. I just found it was quite kind of like meditative and, and um, like captivating. Yeah, it's quite and depressing. And depressing, yeah, because it's really you know like it, it follows this guy through much of his life. Um, Auditioning. Yeah, exactly. He's basically you know wanting to be a perfectionist uh, Indian classical singer, uh, and um, he's. Uh, failing in life you know as he sees people around him do better than him and then you know give up on relationships and you know get older and fatter and it's just yeah that's quite sad to watch uh i must say as well um it's not a film to watch with other people in the house um without them knowing because you know my partner was like what the hell are you watching you know indian classical singing is not something you can have in the background i don't think um it was very intense um, <laughs> I found it fascinating watching it but um, I do think you know I feel like other people next door like what is what is going on next door yeah uh, but I thought it was really interesting uh, and um, I don't know what its life is going to be you know I, I guess with a lot of these films with COVID we don't know what their life is going to be 
for like when are they going to get released you know are they going to mm. be up for oscars is there going to be an oscars who knows yeah. so foreign language it's all film or international feature film yeah it but i a contender yeah but i'd recommend it as if, if you get oh, a chance no, to see it i definitely want to see it i would recommend it to you <laughs> when, when you're less sleepy another film that we saw online was the norwegian film the painter and the thief which we both had um high hopes for uh yeah, kind of yeah, yeah so it's a documentary Uh, about um, um, a sto- so it's a story of a, a, a painter who befriends uh, the thief of one of one of her paintings uh, that happened like in da- during you know daylight in in, in Oslo. Um, it's really weird to watch. I thought it was weird to watch the development of their friendship. Uh, I don't know. I, no, saying. I like the way you say friendship because it's a weird relationship. It was a and, weird relationship. And I felt uncomfortable yeah. about it. Like, I felt like it was quite exploitative. And um, there's some interesting things in there with his, with the paint, painter's boyfriend who makes some very good points about why are you attracted to this man who's obviously quite destructive and you've mm. already had this, you know, abusive people in your past. Yeah, it's, 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 it's messy. Yeah, I think like the story of the thief, uh, he has a history of uh, drug addiction and some family issues that he, um, you know, ends up overcoming a little, uh, most of it, yeah. I guess, by yeah. the end of it, which is very positive and uh, it also shows the, the Norwegian uh, legal, you know, justice system as, as, as one of the best in the world, which I had read, read about how, how thieves or how people who go to prison are there to be regenerated and, you know, to be, to be brought back to society and contribute, which happens to this guy, which I think is very positive, unlike, you know, other prison systems around the world. Um, yeah, but the relationship is very weird very very weird and it's um not disturbing i just i, I didn't believe yeah that's part of my issue i didn't believe i didn't believe in, in their relationship and i didn't believe that how they seem to like love each other at the end of it like how close they were yeah. it seems really I, i can understand her curiosity of meeting this guy who stole her painting or kind of maybe asking him why did you do that or you know would you apologize for that or are you sorry that you did that but not kind of developing or being so close to him yeah i mean it's basically about a um a a, a, a man who who steals a painting and then because he's really high and just has like a whim or i don't know yeah and the painter decides in court to have a conversation with the thief and say well i want you to come and uh, be my subject in paintings and you know basically said why did you steal my painting he said because it was beautiful um but it just feels a bit false i don't know i i, I felt like it felt i also felt it really it was really drawn out um and could have been done in half an hour and instead mm. it was like nearly two hours so yeah. it wasn't wasn't my favorite film so far so if you listen to our last podcast you know how much i wanted to see the taiwanese film days 
by Tsailing Myung, um, whom I really like. And I missed out on tickets and I was um, kind of hoping that eventually I would get tickets. And my friend Dion went on like, oh my God, you want someone to get COVID so you can get tickets? I said, no, that's not what I want. But, you know, like I was hoping that someone would get a cough and something. And, and yet you and wished it into being. <laughs> exactly. Wow. Well, unfortunately, it was my friend Anton, which I wasn't hoping wouldn't be someone like so close to me. Anyway, um, no, he didn't. He doesn't have COVID. He just uh, had a cough and he was a bit paranoid about being in the cinema uh, for a film and coughing because he had a cold. So I got his tickets uh, and I loved the film. Um, it's a very, um, it was, it was uh, shown in the Berlinale and it won the TED Award, which is the LG LGBTQ uh, plus. press plus award. Um, it's with many of his films, it's very minimalistic. There are long shots. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a story of love and uh, loneliness. And with um, he, the main actor, is, he's, he's worked with, with him in all his films, uh, Ken. I don't have the notes now, so I forgot his full name. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a beautiful story of friendship and loneliness and love. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, I understand it was um, It was without subtitles. Subtitles, I know. Uh, yeah, that's one of the things that I was um, kind of... Uh, if, if there was a Q&A, I, I haven't read anything about it. I haven't watched anything with the director. Uh, as with many of the films at the festival that are in the cinema, um, many of the introductions has, has done like pre-recorded uh, messages by the, the, the filmmakers or actors. So, um, what so there is a, a message at the beginning of the film to say that uh, there are no subtitles and this was done intentionally. But it's not, uh, there is dialogue in the film, a very sparse dialogue. So what I'm wondering is that even though people have different interpretation of films, but Asian or more specifically Chinese speaking audiences, if they, you know, they have a dialogue, even if it's very sparse, do they have a different interpretation of the film? How is it, how does it affect them? to Western audience. So that's something that I was thinking about while watching. So yeah, but it's a beautiful film. I'm a big fan of his. It's good to see him back uh, at the London Film Festival, yeah. One film I did see in the cinema with a introduction, uh, live introduction, uh, was uh, Herself, which was the new film directed by Phyllida Lloyd of Mamma Mia fame, uh, co-written and starring Claire Dunn, who, um, plays uh, a woman who is uh, in a domestic uh, violence, yeah, yeah, exactly, relationship, uh, leaves with her two young daughters to try to protect herself and them, and and then gets this idea to buy, uh, t- to build a house on the cheap, uh, as cheap as she can, because she doesn't have much money, um, and then, you know, managed to, to get uh, some uh, a loan from her... Uh, she cleans for a house for 
uh, a, a character played by Harriet Walter. Harriet Walter, you know, is a previous doctor who's had a hip in- injury from an accident and um, decides to lend the money to her and um, say that she can build this small house in her back garden. Uh, I just thought it was really lovely. Um, and I just thought Claire, Claire Dunn in particular was uh, captivating. Uh, you know, she was, she was, as I said, she was, it was her story. She was a co-writer um, and she plays the main character. And I've never seen her in anything before, but she was really engaging and totally believable, really authentic. Uh, was it and a tearjerker, as you had hoped? I bet, yeah, it okay. was. I did hope it was going to be a tearjerker, and it was. Um, yeah, I've cried more. I've had, like, I didn't leave with, like, wet collar. Uh, but um, I did think, you know, I did cry a little bit. Uh, I did think some of the scenes, there was a lot of kind of, like, flashbacks about some of the violence she had um, uh, been... Uh, experience uh, Exactly, yeah. yeah. And, um... And I thought that was really well done. I flinched a lot, I must say. I flinched more than I cried. Um, at, you know, yeah, like a lot of like really kind of nasty violence. And I think it was really well edited. So, um, it's a, yeah, it's an Irish film. Um, I don't know when it's going to get released. I had to have a look and I couldn't see. It played at Sundance initially. Um, so it's been a kind of long gestation. But, of course, like a lot of films this year with um, COVID, I think, mm. you know, plans are being scuppered for release. So who knows when people get to see it. But I would say look out for it. And it's a, it's a very good film. Yeah, I, want, I wanted to see it. Well, I did consider it when I was going through the program. But then I ended up dropping it at some point. But, yes, I would love to see it eventually. I so. recommend it. So we met again to go and see Shirley which is uh, the new film by Josephine Decker. I think I've seen one of her previous films, I can't remember which one. Not the most famous one, which is Madeleine... Uh, Madeleine's Madeleine, Madeleine's yeah, which I also Madeleine's. haven't seen. Um, it's, uh, <laughs> it's one of those films that I thought... Well, I didn't speak... I didn't I did know it wasn't going to be a horror film, but I thought, OK, I don't want to go and see it by myself, so hence, like, agreeing to go and see it with you, otherwise I would never see it. Um, overall, I mean, it was well acted. I just felt like really bored throughout the film. It's just like I I, I don't know anything about Shirley. You said that you read That's right, one yeah. of so her short Shirley, stories. Yeah, so a, this is Shirley Jackson. She's a famous horror writer from the oh, I think nineteen forties and fifties. Uh, I read The Lottery in high school and um, I... Oh, which is the, f- the novel, the main character is reading as in, well. In well, the train the, the, at the, the start. The, yeah, yeah, That's exactly. Right. That's right. It's a very famous short story. I, I didn't know anything else she'd done. Um, I think Hangs a Man, apparently, wow. is the novel that she is writing during the sh- film, uh, which I haven't read. Uh, but she... Uh, yeah, Elizabeth Moss plays um, Shirley. She plays her as kind of this... Uh, bitter, angry, sadistic But also it's like a, a, some kind of mental health issue as well. Yeah, yeah? Totally. A bit of agoraphobia. Yeah. Um, depression. Depression, definitely. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, Elizabeth um, Moss, is, I think she's really good. Yeah. I mean, the, I think the, the Odessa is, is, is the better Yeah, so there's a character. The two, yeah, like the, 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 the girl. That's right, the actress um, Odessa Young. Oh, that's plays, a Young, yes. Um, the character, uh, she's basically, she's, she's married to character Pippa Logan, or, sorry, with a character called Pippa, no, he's married, uh, to a character by uh, Logan Lerman, 
played by, um, and uh, Logan Lerman is like an intern for Michael Stuhlberg's character, Stuhlberg. Stuhlberg, who is like a professor at a university, I don't know where. Yeah, and the husband of Shirley Jackson. So they go to stay with them for a while. I thought Odessa Young was a really uh, interesting, Mm -hmm. really well... uh, you know, really kind of, again, really engaging. Yeah. Um, I've never seen her in I anything, so I don't know. Uh, yeah. Anything. Apparently, she's in Assassination Nation, which I haven't seen. Oh. Um, but I think she's someone to look out for. But the film itself, I know there's talk about whether or not Elizabeth Moss will get a nomination in the Oscars. Maybe if there are no other releases. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing, you know, so who knows what's going to happen. Maybe the Oscars <laughs> won't even happen this year. I just don't really see it. Uh, I don't think no, it's the kind I, of I thought the film was just like, I don't know, almost like, uh, like two hours. And I was bored for most of it. Me too. Basically, it's just like, what's the point of all this? Like... Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. It is being released on 30th October if our review has made you want to go and see it, <laughs> which is probably not. Um, but yeah, you'll get your chance to see it, make your own opinion, uh, or have your own opinion shortly. One film I saw recently from home was um, 180 Degree Rule. This is an Iranian film by director Farnoosh Samadi. It's uh, her directorial debut, well, feature debut. Uh, She's done some shorts before, including uh, The Silence and Gaze, which have won awards uh, at major festivals. So this is quite anticipated, I think, for many people, um, feature debut. Basically, it's a tale of a woman who is oppressed by her husband, and um, then there's a tragedy that happens, and she feels compelled to hide the tragedy, or hide the nature of the tragedy, for fear of reprisal from the husband. So it was really interesting, and it had a kind of, in some ways, a Asuka Fahadi separation kind of vibe, where you're you're having this really kind of human uh, interactions with also an insight into uh, some of the societal structures, Mm -hmm. uh, which was interesting. Uh, It's very bleak, uh, much more bleak, and I would say less successful than, than a separation. But... Uh, it's very well acted, and um, Saha Dolatshahi plays the uh, main character, who is the you know kind of wife and mother, and kind of trying to hold those roles uh, in in the face of this huge tragedy. Uh, but she plays it really well, and also her all her family, uh, all fantastic actors, or her family in the film, obviously. Uh, so um, yeah, the, the the title's a bit strange. One hundred eighty degree rule. It's referring to the cinematic principle around. Uh, yeah. you, you know the 180 degree rule. Yeah, we, we shouldn't like uh, jump across. So you know when you're like cutting between characters, and suddenly if you're, yeah, if the camera goes across this uh, imaginary line, it seems like that the characters are on the same side. And so, and so I I, I watch the Q and A because all of these films have Q and As that you can watch online, and they talked a little bit about it, and I just thought it was a bit tenuous. I was talking about how that rule is a bit like the relationship between the characters but i just thought that was a bit tenuous and and a bit confusing so i don't love the title of yeah, the film I, I thought i was quite uh, yeah conflicted with the title as well i haven't seen the film yet it is on my short list and i'm gonna uh try to watch it in the next two days uh but uh, uh, I thought the title was a bit weird as well. The title was weird, um, but it's a good film. I would recommend it. Um, mm. But just to be, be prepared for the bleakness because it is very dark.
So another film that I saw online is The Reason I Jump, another documentary, which uh, you also wanted to see it as well. I did. I uh, just thought it might be a rush getting back home for it. Because there's all... I should... Just to jump in, there's this whole thing about how uh, normally we'd be running from cinema to cinema and judging out how much how long it takes to get from cinema to cinema. From cinema now we've got like films? Yeah, now we've got like <laughs> cinemas in town to, to like virtuals at home and it's like you know quite a logistical nightmare isn't it yeah. so so this time i thought let's i won't it's a bit too fine so i won't go especially for it. because this film we had only this like this one night to watch it that's right some of them yeah. you've got 72 hours or some of yeah. them is only like one night uh so this is a this is a documentary about uh autism uh it was really fascinating it's based on a book uh, by a 13-year-old uh, Japanese uh, autistic um, um, boy called um, Na- Naoki Higashida. So he wrote this novel when he was 13. Oh, not a novel, but this book about his experience as being an autistic, no- a non-speaking autistic uh, person. And, um, yeah, I thought it was fascinating and... Um, heartbreaking and um, really moving documentary because it there is uh, you know his story but also which is the base of the of, of the of the documentary but in this you know with also experience from different autistic persons like there are one person from India one from Africa two friends uh, who grew up together, both very severe autistic like him. They are all like non-verbal autistic who communicate with like, uh, you know, like... uh, Finger writing. Finger, yes, yeah. So uh, I was surprised to learn afterwards that uh, this has been discredited by the American uh, psychology... um, American Board, Psychological Science Association, Association yeah, yeah. being a pseudoscience. Yeah, yeah so, um, uh, yeah, pseudoscience. Um, yeah, I, I don't know much about it. Uh, I thought it was... I thought the documentary was uh, eye-opening, uh, you know, to... Was a very like, uh, also like you. Uh, they 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 recommended you watch it like with uh, headphones to actually immerse yourself in all the the um, um, sound design of the of the documentary. Did which you was do that? Very, yeah, yeah, I did. Hmm. It was very intense because it's like how how do you get into the mind of these people? And you know, like it was it was really fascinating. And, and as I said, heartbreaking in the point that I know that in some, many of the people d- uh, depicted uh, who took part in the, the documentary are from Western societies where they have more access to, you know, uh, medicine and the schools and things. Others were in communities where they were branded like, you know, children of witchcraft. Um, so yeah, it was really fascinating and uh, and eye-opening. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know enough about it to you know to say is this true or how how much of this is true or not f- from the perspective of the person who wrote the book for for the, the boy who wrote the book. 
Uh, but uh, yeah, I loved it. I thought it was also uh, it won the audience award, I think, in yeah. uh, Sundance. That's right. Uh, yeah. yeah, and I'm not surprised. It was really a beautiful, you know, like was as I said, heartwarming, um, moving to see all these mothers who have uh, parents who, you know, have have had to learn how to deal with their children or how to grow with their children or try to understand their children, their art and their moments. Yeah, it was fascinating. Oh, I'm looking forward to seeing it. So then there's two other films that I've seen. Uh, I saw Wolf Walkers, which was another uh, streaming from home premiere. Uh, this is from Cartoon Saloon, who brought us the Irish... Uh, this is the third of the trilogy, really, with um, The Secret of Cowls and uh, Song of the Sea. And this is the third of these Irish folk tales in uh, 2D animation. Uh, Cartoon Saloon also brought us The Breadwinner, which I absolutely loved. Uh, and um, so, this, yeah, this, this is a tale about these uh, characters who uh, uh, became, become wolves by night uh, and uh, people by day. And, uh, yeah, it was a likeable tale. I just didn't... Uh, it was actually really interesting uh, animation. It kind of has... It's really flat... Uh, uh, kind of a lot of kind of uh, 3D scenes that are done in a really flat on purpose kind of uh, perspective uh, which was really interesting uh, uh, but uh, and, 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 the, and you know the film was kind of interesting but uh, I, I just felt like it didn't really have the it wasn't as interesting as uh, The Breadwinner uh, or The Secret was, of Cows I didn't realise it was uh, sorry I interrupted you That's I right. didn't realise it was um, part of a trilogy yeah well, I think a vague trilogy okay, you know it's, it's okay. basically these three films that um, these Irish filmmakers Folk. have made okay. and okay. that are based on these Irish tales okay. uh, so this one is being released by Apple TV uh, it's actually going to be in uh, cinemas first. Uh, I think it was out, yeah, out in the UK on October the 30th, out in the US on November 13th, and then it will be on Apple TV from December 11th. Uh, so yeah, I quite enjoyed it, uh, but didn't blow me away. And then the last film that I saw was today. Uh, I saw Regina King's directorial debut, which was uh, One Night in Miami, which is based uh, based on a a play Meeting? oh sorry yeah based on a play uh i was gonna say that who's by somebody kim simon kim i can't remember uh but uh basically it's uh about a a, a real meeting after cassius clay who later became muhammad ali uh beat sunny liston in miami uh Muhammad Ali or Cassius Clay got together with Malcolm X and uh, Sam Cooke, the singer, and ah, I've forgotten his name. And an NFL player. That's really bad. But anyway, um, so the four of them got together, uh, and uh, it's about this, uh, you know, this night that they had where they were um, debating religion and politics and civil rights. civil rights exactly what it means to be uh, you know a black man and and kind of like you know commerce versus standing up for your for for you know civil rights 
uh, yeah, it was really interesting. I just thought it was incredibly well acted. Uh, basically, the, yeah, the, the, the guy who plays... Um, uh, oh, I've got Kingsley Ben Amos, I think his name is. Um, uh, is a, a guy who plays uh, Malcolm X. He's a Londoner. And so, thankfully... He could be here because he was very. He said he was at the at the premiere. He was very pleased that he was invited to introduce the film because he lives lives around the corner. As <laughs> he was born in Gospel Oak, um, but um, yeah, it was nice. And I actually, it was really cute actually seeing him. I saw him before the film and after the film. I wasn't stalking him. Um, but <laughs> before the film and after the film. Him. Yeah, but oh God, he's so cute. But, um, yeah, before the film and after the film, I saw him and a group of friends all getting together and taking photos of each other, all really dressed up. You know, it was obviously quite an event for them. Um, I love that about the festival. Oh, same. Well, I really I miss loved, it, too. It was so lovely to see that. Um, but um, I thought he was absolutely brilliant. Um, he plays, as I said, he plays Malcolm X. Uh, and um, Leslie Odom Jr., who has a Grammy and a Tony from Hamilton... Uh, he plays Sam Cook, and he uh, is fantastic, and his voice is amazing. And um, he's also penned an original song, uh, which plays in the credits. So if the Oscars happen this year, Might he's potentially up for. A, a, and it's a great song. Yes, a guy on his way to an egot. Oh, I didn't um, know that. Okay. Uh, also, the actor who plays um, Cassius Clay slash Muhammad Ali is uh, Muhammad Ali is fantastic. Um, I mean, it feels. It does it was feel a very successful debut. Oh, very much. I mean, it 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 feels a bit th- theatrical. It does feel like four people on a stage delivering oh, lines. Okay. Um, okay. So you know, it didn't. I'm not sure it's going to go all the way and win Best Picture and stuff. But it, considering it's a directorial debut, and I do think it's a real showcase for these four actors. I think they're all brilliant. Um, so I'm really glad I saw it. I'm very um, surprised that they chose a British uh, actor to play Malcolm X. Yeah. I know that there's been a bit of rivalry uh, in the last few years, like with many people in the US complaining that some films have had British black actors. Yeah, so like Cynthia Erivo, for instance. Exactly. And also in... um, the one in Detroit, um, John Boyega. Boyega, yeah. Boyega, sorry. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's Coming a bit up of, in a small axe. Yeah. Uh, so there's been a bit edition. of a, a rift, I guess, between the two countries, and people think, like, why are you choosing, you know, British actors when you have so many in America? Yeah. Yeah, interesting, especially being like an American, a famous American. Yeah. Uh, as My- Malcolm X. Um, I must say though, it, it, it's it's the first time. Like we, we both loved Mangrove, mm. and it felt like a real work of art that mm. we were seeing that was worthy of the festival. Um, and this, but this was the first time I saw a film that I felt like had the glamour of, like it felt like something that's coming in awards season and Oscars and all of that. And there's so little of that this year because mm. of COVID. Yeah. Um, you know, we've obviously got, we've got um, Ammonite and we've got Mo- Nomadland to look forward to, but it's really small pickings, isn't it, for those it films is, that yeah. I mean, make I've us feel like... Excited about yeah. the, the coming um, months. Um, yeah, so we have, um, as I said, we have Ammonite coming up next weekend and uh, Steve McQueen's second film of the 
uh, of the series. That's uh, right. Yeah, Lovers, Lovers Rock. Rock yeah. And Nomadland, which I guess is the film we're most uh, looking forward to after the the rave raving um, reveals and after the the golden um, lion at Venice. Um, and we have Thomas Winterberg as well, which we are both very excited about coming oh, up. Gunlight Venice. No, no, we are we are excited about Thomas Winterberg's film. <laughs> Another Anna. round, yeah. Golden, Another but round. But Golden Lion at Venice was um, no. No Madland. Yeah, yeah. Of yes. <laughs> Sorry, just just double checking. Yes. No, we, we are. No, excited. no, I'm talking about the films we're coming. Yes. We're seeing this week. Uh, and I'm very much looking forward to another round. I've heard I was listening to a podcast from mm. IndieWire today, which were was really positive about yeah. it. So I'm looking forward to seeing. And we that. both loved the hunt, which is another collaboration yes. between uh, um, Thomas Winterberg and um, Mats Mikkelsen. Mikkelsen. Yeah, Mikkelsen. Yeah. And I think we're going to try and see. Well. I'm, I'm going to try and see Cajillionaire because he missed it during the festival and it's out, but it's been released now. And St. Maud, I think we're both going to try and see this. I know, which week is from well. last year's festival. I know, but um, the reviews are fantastic. So yeah. hopefully we'll, 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 we'll feed that into potentially the next update. And from I'm not going to see Chicago 7 anymore. <laughs> <laughs> After Mangrove, I don't think there's any point, although I know there are loads of people in the cinema industry who adore. Whatever his name is, uh, the director. <laughs> Aaron Zorkin. <laughs> Aaron Zorkin. Yeah, well, in five days' time, it will be on Netflix. Okay. So, no biggie that you missed it. Okay, so I think that's it from us. I think it's it from us. Yeah. Um, um, thanks for joining time. us. Thank you. Yeah. Bye. Bye.